Yeah, I am that very witch, Taylor. And I did make an unholy bond with that goat, Jemmy. And this is The Final Girl Files. This week, we watched 2015's The Witch, directed by Robert Eggers and starring Anya Taylor-Joy, Ralph Innocent, Kate Dickey, Harvey Scrimshaw, Ellie Granger, and Lucas Dawson. Uh, listeners, you may notice this episode is coming to you just a little bit late. Uh, and that is because I am of the opinion that there is some outside force that does not want us to record this particular episode of the podcast, because we have had just about every obstacle you can think of placed in our way. Sickness, prior plans, <laughs> technical difficulties, literally everything that could go wrong has gone wrong this week. And like, we're just sitting here in front of our microphones, like praying that we get through this recording. Like genuinely... I'll, I'll give you a little peek behind the curtain here, listeners. I literally hit record last night to start recording this episode, and my computer fucking died. <laughs> so that's where we're at. I'm just waiting for, like, a sinkhole to open up underneath my house and swallow us. Yeah, you know that that gif of, like, the, the girl, like, swinging on the swings, and then she immediately falls down through the ground? That's what I'm expecting to happen at any second. Yeah, like, that's how I feel right now. That's what I am afraid is going to happen. Um, so Taylor, memories with this movie. Can I tell you a secret? Oh no, Taylor. This is the first time I've seen The Witch. Stop! Yeah. Stop! And you waited until now to tell me? Yeah, because I, I wanted to get your live reaction on the pod. Oh, well, here you go! <laughs> this is- I feel the exact same way I did when you told me that that was the first time we watched- you've seen Halloween 2018. Like- yeah. But that's what this podcast is for. Me shoving my taste in horror onto you, you shoving my your taste in horror onto me. Exactly. And where we intersect is like, um, where do we intersect? Oh, The Conjuring. Van Helsing 2004. Th that also. But yeah, this was my first time watching this movie. And I, I, I wasn't sure going in how I was going to feel about it because I had heard that it was very sort of moody and kind of slow feeling um and that was not the vibe i got from it at all so anyone who said that about this movie fuck you um <laughs> this movie was a roller coaster ride from start to finish i thought this was gonna be like the shining oh no well there's there's shades of the shining in it i think but i i mean more in terms of like okay just for comparison's sake this movie is an hour 27 i think the shining is 225 Oh my god, that movie! I so because I, I had to look up the both of the runtimes because I was like thinking that this was going to be a movie like The Shining, where it was just like two hours of nothing happens and then like wham bam, insane you, shit. But it was nope, not it's, that. It's just insane shit the whole way through. It's mostly just insane shit the whole way through. I saw this movie in theaters. This was, I think possibly my first a24 like horror movie and it was definitely my first like art house horror because up until that point this came out at the very beginning of 2015 if i remember correctly and up until that point i would my like exposure to horror had largely been through like the conjuring and its ilk and i i that i i say the conjuring very disparaging here you got you all know that i love the conjuring but uh you know at that time, there was, like, The Conjuring and a lot of movies that really, really wanted to be The Conjuring, and that was basically, like, the horror scene for a while. Um, so this is the first horror movie I ever saw, or at least, at the very least, among the first, uh, that sort of took that quieter, uh, sort of slow, burny, pre pretentious isn't quite the word I want to use, but, like, you know what I mean. It's it was it's an A24 horror movie. And it was my first. Uh, and I saw it with my brothers and our mutual friend. Um, our mutual friend did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Which, like, I understand people who don't like this movie. Yeah, like, if, if this is not your thing, like, respect. Yeah, I, I like, understand. if this is... If your thing is not, like, the sort of A24, like psychological moodier slower horror movies like you're probably not gonna like this very much especially with the dialogue being what it is like this is a movie i have to even i have to watch with subtitles and i've seen it like a few times like a good couple times can i say something deeply cursed about this movie so i watched this movie on amazon um sorry i'm a bad communist um 
I paid three ninety nine to fucking rent this movie on Amazon, and it didn't have subtitles. I thought this movie was on Netflix. This movie was on Netflix for a while. It it was not when I looked. Uh, it was on Showtime, which I didn't have a subscription to. Or you could fucking buy it from Amazon. So I did that because I was not able to get it legally on the television upstairs where I can usually get things very legally. So I had to watch it on the downstairs TV, uh, which only has access to streaming services. So I shelled out four bucks for this movie and it didn't have subtitles. So fuck you, Amazon and fuck you, Jeff Bezos, because there were parts of this movie that I fully did not process because it, there were no subtitles. And I watch movies with subtitles because in a, in a normal movie with people speaking modern day dialogue, I often have problems processing what they're saying and what they mean let alone when they're speaking 1600s old-timey dialogue it it was it made me so mad that this movie didn't have subtitles that's my little rant um that it it sucked it's bad (laughs) (laughs) and i know i'm like making jokes out of it but like at least i'm not like hard of hearing or something you know what i mean like yeah i can't even imagine like renting this movie or any movie as somebody who might have difficulties hearing and someone who relies on subtitles more than I do only to find out after you've spent $4 on a movie that there are no sub subtitles available for you. Um, it sucks. And I think that it should not be allowed for streaming services to not have subtitles. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly as someone like my mom is hard of hearing. So like I grew up, with like captions and subtitles and everything and i know like for a fact like we would have family movie nights and sometimes the family movie would have no subtitles and it'd be really difficult for her um but we're not here to talk about subtitles (laughs) we are here to talk about uh this movie which i again another movie where it's just like where do i even start yeah i don't even know where to jump in with this um Oh, I did God. have I did have an Anya Taylor Joy double feature though because I the last day of like Halloween weekend um which extended to Monday for me because I'm smart and took the day off uh, I went to go see Your last big night brain in Soho. You know that this is a multiple day event. Exactly, I went to go see last night in Soho, uh, and then I came home and two days later I watched this. <laughs> She's so baby in this movie. She's so young. I I was like shocked. <laughs> young she was especially coming off like her most recent film i was like oh my god that's right she was like baby in this yeah i i just love thomason um i just think she's so cute and anya taylor joy has these like very big expressive eyes like the the thing that struck me too was like the scene at the beginning when she was uh praying uh, mm-hmm. And just, like, staring, not quite into the camera, but, like, staring almost into the camera. And just, like, you're getting the full the full brunt of the Anya Taylor-Joy headlights. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. Actually, let's talk about, quickly, the opening shot and the closing shot, or the almost closing shot of this movie. Yeah. Because I love a parallel opening and closing shot, and we get one of those in this movie, and it's so good. It's so good. Oh, actually, hey, Taylor, we should probably, like, talk about the plot. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, do you want to do that? Uh, sure. Uh, so The Witch is about a family of Puritans in the 18... 18- no, the 18. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Yeah, That's man. how history works. The 1630s. I'm so used to saying... Like, I'm, my, I'm so used to saying 1800s for, like, everything. You have gothic <laughs> horror brain is what you have. I have phantom manor brain is what yeah, I have, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> no, it... it uh, so the witch is about a family of Puritans in the 1630s who are exiled from the plantation that they live on for vaguely religious reasons... Uh, the implication being that the father was too zealous in his, um, his Christianity. His, practi- his Christianity, which, like, if you're too zealous for the Puritans, Jesus, Christ, I know dude. that's. I feel like that's a really good way to establish your um, protagonists as being like an extremely religious family is having even the fucking Puritans be like, no, you guys are too much for us. Yeah, and I, I very much enjoy uh, one of my first notes is like I know I love that we never learn exactly what kind of like zealousness he was partaking in, and it kind of makes it an intriguing sort of oh, uh, leave like leaving that up to the imagination. I think is a very good choice. 
Um, anyway, so they're banished from the plantation and they go off into the wilderness and try to sort of like make a life for themselves out there. They try to start a farm, uh, just them. It's, it's, uh, the mother and father, William and Kate, their oldest daughter, Thomason, their oldest son, Caleb, and then their two horrible little gremlin children, Jonas and Mercy. And a little baby named Sam. And a little, yes, and a little baby named Sam. Um, we cannot forget about the babby. Well, we can't forget about the babby because the babby does uh, set the story into motion. Yes, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll discuss the fate of the babby in a moment. <laughs> um, so they go out there and one day Thomason is playing peekaboo with Sam in a field uh, and she opens her eyes and he is not there. Which is such a creepy moment. It's that scene was actually supposed to be the opening scene of the film, uh, but huh. yeah, but Robert, because uh, I I listened to I I was very I was delighted to find out that there was a commentary on this on this uh, movie. So I listened to that, and Robert Eggers talked about how that was supposed to be the opening scene of the film, but they decided that they needed to have a little more emotional connection to the family before they started in on the the, the capital P plot. Anyway, the, uh, the anyway. Babby goes missing, um, and a, from there, a bunch of shit spirals out of control as it slowly becomes clear that there is a witch in the woods, and um, there also might be um, something possessing the family's uh, goat, uh, Black Philip, and the children of this family are slowly either being sort of taken in by the darkness that is in the woods the witch or uh, the sort of devil figure in the form of Black Phillip or are just straight up being killed as is the case with the babby who is yes. um, grinded up into bloody paste with a mortar and pestle and you do see like bloody baby chunks on screen which are then like the witch spreads the baby flesh and blood on her body like to make herself young it is like an R it's it's an r-rated version of whatever the hell bet midler does in hocus pocus <laughs> that's this whole movie we're yeah, done that's no, all you need to I say actually, i kind of want a recut of this movie where the witch is just bet midler please um but yeah this yeah. is a this is a movie about a family slowly being torn apart yes and it is awful to watch as it just it's it's one of those movies where over the course of the movie you're just everything feels like it's spiraling out of control slowly getting faster and faster and by the end of it everything is just complete chaos and you're sitting there wondering like how the fuck did this happen yeah yeah, that's about it. <laughs> that's the movie. That's the film. Um, I, I, I want to talk about Thomason. Please, I would love to talk about Thomason. I would love to talk about Thomason because she is sort of the emotional core of this film. Mm -hmm. Not sort of; she is the emotional core of this film. I want to say from the commentary, Robert Eggers uh, talked a lot about how he was he had to sort of like um, coax. A perform like uh, the kind of performance he wanted out of the girls who were auditioning for Thomason, but then apparently Anya Taylor Joy came in and just capital D did capital T that. <laughs> I love that for her <laughs> without like any notes from him, and he was like, "Oh, okay, so this is the girl that th this is our Thomason." I'm interested. Did did he explain what he meant by like the kind of performance that he wanted? No, he didn't. Oh, okay, not I really. Just like. I'm interested in what he could possibly mean by that. Like, because one thing that really strikes me about Thomason is there's just like this genuine and like palpable sense of yearning that you can see in Anya Taylor-Joy's performance. And I wonder mm -hmm. if that's kind of what he was referring to. Because like every interaction that she has with the rest of her family, you can just tell that she fucking hates being in this society, in this world. She hates the role that she has to play. She wants something more than what she has. And you can see that in every single thing that she does. I don't know how to explain it other than to say, like, it's just this really definite sense of yearning. 
Mm-hmm. And that makes the ending like okay. Here we go. This is, this is gonna be another midsummer type. This situation. is gonna be another midsummer. I think this one's less controversial than midsummer because I think I it's think very it's less controversial, but I don't know why it is, because to me it feels like almost exactly the same in terms of the vibe. I think I think there's less ambiguity with the ending of the witch. Explain. I think you are supposed to be unamb- unambiguously like glad for Thomason or what like are feeling you? I don't know if you are. That's the impression I I I feel like it's I didn't say it was completely unambiguous, but it's less so than Midsummer, I feel like. Because it's like the movie goes to such great pains to show that like being a witch entails doing shit like grinding up babies to stay young. So like I can't imagine that like the but it's ending like is supposed to be entirely triumphant because you know eventually Thomason's going to get to a point where she is doing that kind of insane shit to other people. I don't think you're supposed to think about that though. I don't think I think um I'm trying to find a, a smart way to say this. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong here but all i I could really think of was that like i am the type of person who is like fictional people doing murder is cool and sexy if i like them right exactly i think the ending rules but i feel like in terms of like maybe i don't want to say authorial intent but like what the movie was maybe trying to get across was that like this is great for now but See, I she's going to become like that other witch. And it's not going to be so fun anymore. And it's not going to be flying up in the air with your gal pals, naked and like na- naked and free, you know? Um you're going to be doing weird shit and like killing babies eventually. I think a lot of what I interpret about the ending has to do with like the witch as a symbolic figure. Um because witches are women with power right like i don't know what i'm i'm trying to get at something here and i can't find the words i think it's oh i don't know i think it's 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 because how i would respond to that would be like yes and no in terms of like it's this idea of like i don't know Not to be talking about real life bullshit that like actually affects real people uh, who are part of marginalized groups that I'm not in. But like, I mean, TERFs question mark? You know what I mean? This idea of like, oh, like people get suckered in. And I'm not saying that Robert Eggers was like, I'm doing a TERF metaphor because I don't know if he knows what TERFs are. But like, I'm thinking in terms of like, the way that groups like TERFs and radical feminists sucker women in by projecting this air of like, this is about female unity. This is about women working together against the forces that are, that are oppressing us, which is exactly what the witches look like to Thomason. But at the end of the day, it's evil. It's evil bullshit. It's literally the devil. And I'm, of the opinion that the devil is cool and sexy. But again, I'm just trying to like play devil's advocate here. That was never sort of the impression I got from the ending. I felt the ending was more symbolic in a way. I was just thinking in terms of that more than terms of like, witches are the devil and evil and etc. I was thinking in a less literal sense about the ending. And I, th- I think you can, I mean, again, I think it's sexy and awesome that she gets to, like, take her clothes off and do, like, naked flying. But, like, baby murder, though. <laughs> you know? I mean, I get it, but I, I I, just, I always interpreted the ending in a more metaphorical sense. You're probably the one who's right here and I'm thinking too hard about it, but... <laughs> I, I mean, know. listen, Taylor, it's art. Art is open to interpretation and sometimes This is not a condemnation of the witch. I can't stress this enough. I think it's sexy. I love that she gets to do this. Good for her. I'm just like, my, my like nuts have been blasted off by that fucking turf allegory. I know, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs>
I, uh, Taylor, I love you. I cannot emphasize enough that I don't think that was what Robert Eggers was no, intending. I'm not <laughs> again. I'm not saying again. You can interpret art in ways that are relevant to your life and your experiences. I'm pulling this out of my ass. I know. I understand. <laughs> See, I wish I had like smarter thinky thoughts to say about this, but I don't. He I just who think flying is cool. He, it's just like it's just a very metaphorical thing for me i want to fly with my gal pals i just want to fly with my gal pals taylor we're not turfs i didn't say that anyone was turfs <laughs> you were just lying awake last night no <laughs> which, i literally was <laughs> staring at the ceiling witches equals turfs which is question mark <laughs> oh my god I hope Ugh. someone got their nuts blasted off by that take. And this is the exact opposite of the argument that I literally made in the Midsummer episode. Yeah, I think that's so weird because to me, I like, I don't agree with the Midsummer people. Like, God fucking forbid. But I like see where they're coming from, and like, I guess I see where w- the witch is coming from. But it just feels so much like less ambiguously triumphant with what was being said for the rest of the movie and what Thomason's arc is. And like, I love her and you do feel that genuine joy when she flies at the end. Oh yeah, for sure. And also I'm going to say something that's going to surprise no one. Black Phillip is hot. Have you seen the pictures of the costume? I sure have. (laughs) They're very good. They're very good. Look them up if you haven't seen them, listener. Like, look, look, I'm gay. We all know this. But, like, if Black Phillip talked to me like that, I'd be like, hell yeah. I, I saw a lot of letterboxed reviews that were like, Black Phillip needs to start an ASMR channel. I agree, full stop. And, like, here's a fun thing. So, like, I listen to ASMR frequently. I really like ASMR. That's, like, mm-hmm. my... I'm airing it out uh, on the airways. I, I listen to ASMR to fall asleep at night. And I, I, I genuinely do get that, like, tingly feeling on the back of my neck when I listen to, like, the videos of people whispering. And Black Phillip made me feel that. <laughs> it was very strange. <laughs> like, I, like, he came out of nowhere and he started whispering. And I, I literally felt the way that I do when I listen to, like, videos at, like, 2 a.m. of people, like, clicking their nails against, like, wooden boxes and stuff. Oh, my God. <laughs> I got I genuine think- ASMR from this movie. <laughs> it was very good. <laughs> I'd subscribe to Black Phillip's ASMR channel. I I bet there's somebody out there who has done like a Black Phillip ASMR Oh, there has video. to be. There has to be. Um, I, I hope that someone out there has done it because <laughs> genuinely that was the only thing I could think about. <laughs> While we're on the subject of Black Phillip, I want to talk about like the goat. Because uh, filming with the goat was notably difficult. <laughs> oh, I have heard bits of this, but I... Please, please go on. So the goat's name was Charlie. I love that! Um, and he was actually a white goat. He was dyed black for the, mo- for the film because they couldn't find a black goat that would suit what Robert Eggers wanted from Black Phillip. And... So much of the CGI in this movie is like CGIing out like ropes around the goat's neck and people wrangling the goat. And apparently, the goat really hated Rolf Innocent. Like, for whatever Didn't reason. Did send him to the hospital or something? Yes. He got like really badly injured with the goat on set, which is not funny, but also like, Jesus Christ. That's not funny, but it's also like what the fuck <laughs> yeah it's just it's what the fuck laughter i um i i my conspiracy theory is that satan was actually in that goat no charlie was just method acting <laughs> charlie was like i am the devil i am black philip charlie said i am the devil and i'm here to do the devil's work exactly. putting an actor in the hospital parentheses <laughs> yeah it was um it wasn't even like the scene where black philip kills william it's like which is a baller scene, by the way. Oh, it's fucking baller. The symbolism of all of the wood he chopped, all of his, like, sins coming down on him. Ah! So good. Um, yeah, it wasn't even that scene. It was, like, the scene where, like, t- at the, like, the our, our introduction to Black Phillip, 
where he's like running loose and William kind of has to like wrestle him back into the pen. Like he got knocked, uh, Ralph, Ralph Innocent got knocked over and apparently hurt himself really badly. Oh, that, that really sucks. And yeah. I'm glad that he recovered and that he's like doing okay. Like, that's yeah, thankfully, funny, thankfully it is, it is, it's very like, what the fuck? I actually have a, I have a few notes on the animals in this, in this movie. Oh, I would um, love to hear them. Uh, so the horse who played Bert, her name is Lady, and she is a historically accurate breed, actually. Um, I don't know. I didn't catch what breed it was, but it's like a historically accurate, like the kind of horse they would have had back then, which I thought was cool. Uh, and the hare's name is Dizzy, and she was apparently very good. Well, that's good. They made up for um, Charlie's uh, evilness. Charlie's bastard Instinct. Charlie's bastard nature. <laughs> By the way, like on the subject of historical accuracy, Robert Eggers is so geeked about every like really historically accurate thing he managed to put into this movie. And like, God bless him. God bless Robert Eggers. God, like, this man is so dedicated to never making a normal movie ever. I, I love him so much. So hard. I was okay. So I was like reading some stuff about. I mean, like, Robert Eggers talking about this movie. And apparently, he had another idea that he wanted to do for, like, his first movie. And then was told, like, you're never going to sell a movie to a studio that's this weird. So you need to write something more conventional. And then he wrote The Witch. Yeah. <laughs> what, was, what was... I mean, I wonder if it was The Lighthouse. Because The Lighthouse... The Maybe Lighthouse is, like... The lighthouse is like this movie cranked up to eleven. Like the light, the lighthouse is if the witch like just snorted so much crack, and was gay, I, and was gay. I can't wait till we do an episode on the lighthouse. God, oh that my movie God. is so much. That movie is so much. I haven't so seen much. that one either. Actually, I'll confess that right now. Oh my God, Taylor. <laughs> Fun fact. Here, so here's a story, and I should it's... probably wait till the episode to tell this, but like, I tried to watch this with my friend Ambrose, like, the week it came out, um, and we, we thought we found, like, a cam rip uh, online. Um, wait, of the witch or the lighthouse? Of the lighthouse. Okay. We thought we found a cam rip online, and we did, but the cam rip actually had, like, these weird pinatas that would, like, dance across the screen. <laughs> And, like, you couldn't see what was happening because it was just these big pink and green pinatas that were, <laughs> oh like... Oh, my God. It was really funny. So we made it, like, five minutes in before we were, like, we can't do this. We can't. <laughs> we turn it off. That's so insane. So then I, I never actually watched it. I've So I've, I've only seen the pinata version of The Lighthouse. <laughs> the hashtag release the pinata cut. Oh, my God. Actually, while we're still on the historical accuracy bit... Uh, a lot of research for the buildings in this movie and, like, how everything looked was done in a place called uh, Plymouth Plantations in Massachusetts. And I have been there several times as a child. So I was kind of geeked to hear him say that on the on our um, on our little commentary there. That's awesome. It's, it's like a historical reenactment, like, type place where they, you know, replicate life in the 1600s or whatever. Like, it's cool. It's like a history, like a living history kind of thing. I love that stuff. You'd love this. Oh, I should take you to Plymouth Plantations when you come up here. Anyway. Um, yeah. What I, just, I, really like I, I love Robert Eggers' dedication also to historical dialogue and specifically mm. the accents. Which yeah. I love, like, like, I read this thing about how they had to do the casting in England because they would have had, like, Yorkshire accents. Mm -hmm. And I just, I think it's so cool how he's able to weave this story that is relatable to modern audiences while being told in a dialogue that nobody speaks anymore. Yeah, I agree. I was actually going to say something similar to that. He really grounds it in like human relatable emotions that people st that still resonate with people today, despite the fact that like so much of this movie is grounded in that time period. This still feels like a, a family dynamic that exists now. Mm -hmm. Like obviously not these circumstances, <laughs> perhaps, but like this idea of like oh you didn't grow up with a family whose baby was stolen by a witch. <laughs> no, did you? 
Well, <laughs> your silence speaks volumes. Were you the witch that stole the baby? Be honest. Taylor, I was the baby stolen by a witch. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and that's why you're like this. And <laughs> I, I was making an MCU joke, but yeah, that's why I'm like that. This family dynamic of like the, the, the petulant sort of teenage daughter. And like the thing about Thomason is, is that <laughs> he is, you know, our audience sort of viewpoint character and she is very relatable but she also does act like a bratty teenager sometimes oh for sure like the scene where she like <laughs> like chokes her little sister <laughs> yeah where she like just like first off straight up fucks with her and then starts choking her yeah just starts choking the what like five six year old kid yeah it's kind of amazing like she she still is very much like I think she's supposed to be like 15. Yeah, like, around there. Yeah, and, like, even though she, like, it, it would have been very easy to make her sort of, I guess, do no wrong as a character. Mm -hmm. um, but no, she, like, is, like, messing with her younger siblings and, you know, her sister is kind of running around making these sort of, telling these stories about the witch in the wood. And so she just starts fucking with her and being like, hey, I'm the witch. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who took the baby. <laughs> And of course it comes back, and of course that comes back to bite her in the ass later. Yeah, that like is the worst part is that she was just sort of innocently, you know, again, she's just being a 15 year old fucking with her younger siblings, as all older siblings have done, by the way. Maybe we didn't all choke our younger siblings, but you know. I probably would have choked Jamie if I had half the chance when I was a kid. Because <laughs> I was a kid! Kids are shitty! Yeah. I probably would have done the same thing to Autumn. <laughs> Like if, if if our parents had let us alone in the woods to like farm and shit, I probably would have gotten into physical fights with my sister far oh, more yeah, for often. Sure. For sure. But um, and like, you know, she's just sort of being a teenager, but it comes back to bite her in the ass because then Mercy and Jonas, those two little shits. <laughs> I have never like just sidebar, I've never seen like child characters, and it's purposeful, but oh my god, they're such little shits. They're I hate such them. they're such gremlins. I hate like, them. Jesus Christ, they're the worst. And it's like it's very purposeful. They're supposed to be the worst. Which like congratulations, Robert Egger Robert Eggers, you did do it. You but, did, oh my you did god. do that. You wrote two very obnoxious small children. Uh yeah. Anyway, and, go on. Oh god, it's just so horrific the way that it all just kind of crashes in on yep. her, her this like innocent mistake that she makes and now her two fucking younger siblings are running around saying that she's a witch and that she's made covenant with the devil and all this shit and it's like oh god that's not the kind of thing you say in front of your parents who are religious extremists in puritan ink in puritan america like ugh. yeah bad and that whole can i just say that the whole like i i Think of it as the exorcism scene, but it's not an exorcism. But that whole scene with Caleb after he comes back from the woods is so fucking harrowing. And I wish that we had gotten like, I, I, I understand why we didn't, because it probably would have been out of place. But I wish we had gotten more like kind of fucked up magic body horror like we did when they had to like pry the apple out of his mouth. I oh, kind of wish we so disgusting. Like, I kind of wish we'd gotten more of that, but I understand why we didn't. It was very gross, though. I just, like, fucked up witch magic. That's why I like the Suspiria remake. I'm very excited to watch the Suspiria remake. Because I'm very excited for more fucked up witch magic. Because this movie did it so well. Speaking of that scene, I... what What is the actor's name who plays Caleb? Uh, his name is Harvey Scrimshaw. Harvey Scrimshaw, you beautiful little child, like, you wonderful actor, delivered the fuck oh out God. of that little monologue. Acting his ass off. Has he Acting done anything like, since this movie? Let me see. How has let this not led to, like, a fruitful career for this child? Um, let me check real quick. Because he was so good in that scene. All the kid actors in this are very good. Uh, nope, that's yeah, the two little good. shits are very good at being two little shits. Yeah. The baby was and like, baby. And, like, for kids that age, like, great actors. Like, yeah. holy shit. And also, like, having kids speaking in that old-timey dialogue, like, that had to be hard. Those kids oh, can't yeah. read. Yeah. Uh, 
he has not done anything since what? the witch. He hasn't done anything. How has this not led to like an incredibly <laughs> fruitful horror career for him? Also, um, I don't know. Maybe he just maybe he just decided he didn't want to act anymore. <laughs> I mean, if if um, it was his decision, good for him. If he just can't get work, what the fuck? Hire him. Off the record, he was also an Ammonite, which is the film that uh, period lesbian romance is parodying. Is it, is it is it the one with Sir Sharonin like riding Kate Winslet's face? Yes. <laughs> he was in that. Iconic cinema, though. He was in that, and his, his role is callow youth, which I can only... <laughs> Fuck. I'm not cutting this out, because that is phenomenal. Uh, that is a phenomenal character name. <laughs> if If you're, like, casting a film, and you need, like, a teenage boy, and... Harvey? I mean, his name? would he even be a teenager by now? It's been like six years. Oh, oh my god. Oh, I don't like that. I don't like it, thinking about the passage of time. It's been like six years. He's probably like 1920 by now. Oh, if you need a 1920 year old and Harvey Scrimshaw walks into your audition room and you don't immediately cast him, fuck you. Fuck you. Fuck you. You don't deserve fuck. to be a casting director. You should fire yourself. <laughs> the bloodletting was incredibly fucking gross. Incredibly, that's CGI blood, by the way. They, I cannot they try believe that that used to be like a thing that people did that they thought would like cure people's ills. That's disgusting. They apparently tried to do that scene with like a blood pump. They tried to do it practically and they just couldn't get it to look right. So that is CGI blood, baby. It doesn't look like CGI, though. It doesn't. It really does. It's incredibly doesn't. subtle. So I was I was surprised at the amount of like CGI that was kind of in this movie, and apparently, apparently, the greatest amount of CGI was removing um, modesty garments. Oh, I believe that. <laughs> yeah, from especially from uh, the shot of the witch grinding up the babby, <laughs> making her um, babby paste. Uh, what What about what about the, the 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 crow biting off mom's nip? <laughs> oh my god. When I saw that movie in theaters, I there was like an audible reaction from the audience. Like there was I, like the audible like is that wince. like I'm the type of person where like I'm very empathetic to the things that I see on screen, but like particularly like I don't know how to describe it, but like big pain doesn't really affect me. Like if I see someone's throat getting slit on camera, I'm like, Meh. but like yeah, we're horror bitches. We see that every day. Little things like like someone being like pinched or like a needle going into somebody's arm, like small oh. little things. And, but like, for some reason, like it was the crow pecking at the mom's boob that I was like, Ugh. okay, no. but it's fucking nasty. It's so bad. Like, like, this is not a thing you can be blamed for Taylor. Like I remember seeing this in theaters and there was like an audible, like reaction from the audience. Like, the second that she was like, I'm going to breastfeed my dead baby, I was like, this can only go badly. <laughs> There's no way in which this ends well. <laughs> Nothing good can come of breastfeeding the ghost of your dead child. And it didn't. Because sometimes the babby is not a babby. It's a crow, and it bites your boob. Crows, man. Crows. Crows, man. Crows be like that. Crows do be like that. Kate Dickey, at the end, was giving me big Lucille Sharp energy. I, her, I, like, this time around, I really, like, paid attention. You can so, like, see how a lack of closure on how her, her baby died, like, did this to her. Like, she's almost relieved to have something to place her blame on, even if it's her own daughter. And it's so fucked up. It's really interesting to me to see the way that she projects that grief and loss onto specifically Thomason. Because, like, not having the tools to cope with that kind of loss, she needs to project blame onto somebody or something. Mm -hmm. And she does that to Thomason. And that then, of course, leads into the irony that everybody in her family and her life accusing Thomason of being a witch ultimately drives her towards witchcraft. Yep. Which is yep. awesome. It's <laughs> so good. So narratively so satisfying to watch everybody accuse her through the whole movie of being a witch 
and her truthfully saying, I'm not a witch, I'm not a witch, like, I haven't spoken to the devil. And then at the end, when the devil does come knocking at her door and is like, you want to sign my book and be a fucking witch? She's like, I mean, everybody in my life has already accused me of this, so how much worse can it really get? I Everyone's dead, I'm the only one left. Like, you want to see a witch? I'll give you a fucking witch. It's amazing. Good for her. Good for her. I love I love Thomason. Oh. Her art yeah, it, in this movie. The so the, the way that um Catherine, uh the mother, portrays this like searching for a reason uh that comes with such a huge loss as the loss of a child, and then of course multiple children, because then her other son goes missing and she finds out that her husband has lied to her about, um, of course, the the selling of the the sil- the silver cup. It's just this family is so fucked up. It's so fucked up, but also like I like seeing the little moments of tenderness between them too. Like yeah, the the bit where um, oh god, what's the father's name? I know the William. mother's name is Catherine. What's the dad's name? Uh, William. William. When William is holding Catherine in bed and she's just mm-hmm. openly weeping in his arms and the kids are listening from their loft. Yeah. Room? Thing. It's not really a room. It's yeah, it's like quarters. a loft addict. The place in the house with the kids' beds in it. Yeah. <laughs> um. By the way, that's gotta be rough when you're trying to fuck your wife. Oh my god. And there's only a thatched roof separating you from your five children. How did anybody fuck back then? Very quietly. <laughs> yeah, like, did you have to, like, go down to the river to fuck? Probably. <laughs> it's like, mom and dad are making a trip. Stay here. <laughs> Stay here. Do not come after us. <laughs> We're going to be gone for a few hours. <laughs> It's fine. We do this once every lunar cycle. Can I just say, like, the scene of the the kids all listening in on their parents talking is such, like, relatable sibling content. Oh my god, absolutely, yeah. Like, I I remember sitting at the top of, like, the stairs with my brothers when we were kids and, like, listening to what our parents were saying downstairs. Like, it's such a... Uh, it's it's a nice little like timeless moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like yeah, the siblings are still doing um, this. The, the the bit where Thomason and Caleb are down by the river, and Thomason is sort of holding Caleb and kind of teasing him. That was very cute. It was until you remember that Caleb's like a horny teenage boy with nowhere to yeah, put those like, feelings. Oh god, that stuff sucks. <laughs> it sucks. Like I like I get it. I understand it. There's a little bit of an incest thing going on. With Caleb, but like, really, like, okay, I have a, I have a hot take about this. Go for it. I don't even know if it's really incest. It's, it's not. It's just the fact that like he so much. It's not really incest to. I don't know. It didn't read that way to me so much as it was like. I don't think he's attracted to his sister. I think he's just like noticing the boobs and being like. That's really weird, and nobody has ever explained to me what that means. But, like, also, he's kind- I think he's kind of having horny feelings, but, like, it's it makes sense that he is, because he's a teenage boy, isolated in the middle of this fucking wilderness with no other, like, exposure to that kind of thing but his sister. And it's fucked up, but it makes sense. Yeah, it's it's just weird, because it's, like- Again, like, they're so religious and strict, and no one has ever explained to him what attraction to another human being is supposed to feel like, or, like, Mm -hmm. no one has ever told him what to do with those feelings when they begin to happen. Right. So it just becomes this insane, like, again, like, he doesn't know what to do with those emotions, and if he lived in a normal fucking family, he would get a crush on, I don't know, his teacher or something. Right. Or, like, the girl down the street. Like, a normal teenage boy. But he's isolated in the fucking woods, and the only other girl around is his teenage sister. Exactly. That's what I'm, that's what I'm saying. 
And can I circle like, back? It, it's uncomfortable, but again, like much like the kiss in uh, the Innocence, which we also uh, grocery knowed about for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just supposed to be weird because it's like that's how fucked up this family is. That's how fucked up their situation is. Is that he doesn't even just becoming a teenage boy is now this like perverted thing. Exactly. Um, while we're on the subject of the kiss from the innocence, <laughs> um, <laughs> there is there is a very <laughs> similar that, scene in this. Also a little bit of that in this movie. <laughs> um, I, I commentary time. That w- the woman who played the witch in that scene, like the hot version of the witch. Uh, she was a Victoria's Secret model. Um, which- excuse me. I found I found the other witch to be very sexy. Listen. The conventionally sexy one. <laughs> um, <laughs> God. I don't know about you, but, like, grinding a baby into paste butt-ass naked is, like, incredibly hot to me. Such a turn-on. Such a turn-on! <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, the woman who played that version of the witch was Victoria's Secret model, who apparently, like, you can, like... For roles that don't really require, like, dialogue, apparently models are really good for it, like, especially on, like, a last-minute sort of basis, because they can just come in and, like, be in character, and, like, that's not a problem for them, because they're used to, like, photo shoots and shit, uh, or something along those lines. Uh, basically, all this to say, uh, Harvey Scrimshaw's first kiss was with the Victoria's Secret model. Oh my god! <laughs> and, like, good for him, I guess? <laughs> Oh, man. <laughs> Apparently he was very nervous about it, which is kind of cute. That's very sweet, but also, oh, yeah. my God. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Listen, we can't all have our first kiss on stage with a boy that, like, never mind. That never actually happened to me. <laughs> that happened all- to people I knew. We can't all have our first kiss in the high school cafeteria listening to some song that your weird ex-boyfriend said reminded you of them. And did that just happen because to you, Jemmy? That sure did happen to me. Oh no. It's because I was in high school and I was like, I need to have my first kiss, and I guess this is gonna be it now. And uh I regret everything about that. Oh anyway. no. Don't you wish that your first kiss was with a Victoria's Secret model in the woods on a film set? Oh, God. O to B. <laughs> good for Harvey Scrimshaw. Yeah, good for him. Hell yeah, King. <laughs> King shit. I will say, like, again, just, like, deeply uncomfortable to watch. Very though. uncomfortable. Gotta, gotta very say. uncomfortable. Gotta very, say. Very uncomfortable. Very icky. Very Kiss from the Innocence vibes. I wouldn't be surprised if that was an intentional homage. It probably was. I would, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either. The Innocent seems like a very Robert Eggers taking this for inspiration movie. I feel like if there weren't already like three shit billion versions of The Innocence, I feel like Robert Eggers taking a stab at it would be pretty interesting. <sighs> even though there were, even though there are, I want to see that. Fuck it. it. You know what? It would be better than The Turning. Taylor, that's such a low bar. <laughs> that's that's such saying. a low bar. Even, like, it would be better than the turning. We know that already. It's such a low bar, though. But would it have Finn Wolfhard? It would not. I mean, maybe it could. Oh, no, no probably he's not. He's like, how fucking yeah, old he's, is he now? He's, he's, never mind. he's like 18 now. <laughs> never mind. He's too old to play Miles now. He was too old to play Miles when he played Miles in The Turning. <laughs> he really was. Anyway, I hate that we keep talking about The Turning, so I'm just going to switch back to another horror movie that we were talking about <laughs> a earlier. A good one? Yes. I'm going to talk about The Shining again. Because, Yay! Because, much like The Shining, this movie feels like a study of what happens to people in isolation. Yep. That's how I'm circling back to the beginning. I feel really smart right that now. That is I have so to say. so smart. You 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 pulled out the big brain film analysis. It, I did have that thought like before, and then I'm like, oh wait a minute, I can connect this to The Shining, and I did. And I'm really smart. I'm a film student. <laughs> but does this movie have like um, secret symbolism about like the moon landing and like the genocide of the Native Americans and stuff? Yeah. 
Okay, good. <laughs> and we're going to go into another hour now of me talking about that. <laughs> this has been uh, the side podcast project from the Final Girl Files, which is the, what? what's it called? Room 234? Room uh, Thatched thatched Roof Room 234. <laughs> I loved the bit where Thomason, by the way, was like, back in England, they have glass windows. <laughs> <laughs> like that's that's one of those things that like you don't even take into account as being mm-hmm. like a luxury until, until you're it... living in the middle of fucking nowhere like surviving on dirt <laughs> yeah like oh yeah glass windows are for people with permanent houses that aren't made of like grass <laughs> <laughs> um actually can i just quick the thatched roof so you'll notice in the movie, if you watched again, the the roof of the goat shed does not have a thatched roof, and that is because the goats kept eating it. Oh my god! So they had to build a wooden roof because the goats just kept eating the thatch. That's phenomenal. I love that. I mean, that sucks, but like, also, that's really funny. That sucks, but like, I feel like you should have predicted that one. <laughs> we all know what goats are like. Anyway, what were you going to say about The Shining? No, I already said what I said about The Shining. I said oh, okay. Very- I find this movie to be one of those things that, like, feels like it should be a rougher sit than it is. Yeah, I agree. Because, like, okay, hot take. Go for it. I find The Shining incredibly boring. I haven't seen The Shining in a hot minute, but I think The Shining is very long. <laughs> it's I remember two, it being Again, it is two hours and 25 minutes of nothing. I mean, nothing. if you thought... Listen, if you thought that was two hours and 25 minutes and nothing, wait until you see the fucking miniseries. Oh my god. Listen, I love <laughs> Mick Garris. I listen to his podcast. Mick Garris, if you're listening, you're a very talented man. You did not hit it out of the park with the Shining remake. No, it's... Okay. No, if I if I start talking about this, I'm going to start talking about like my hot takes about Stephen King remakes, and I we can't... Anyway, we what I'm that. trying to say is that I don't love The Shining, and like maybe that makes me a bad film person i don't care i find it incredibly boring and this movie felt to me like it was going to be like that i already said this but like i thought this was going to be like a two and a half hour movie of people like wandering around the woods and like talking about nothing and being like oh we're in the woods you thought is this i think i did you also say this about ravenous i think you also said this about ravenous did i i don't remember you said something very similar about Ravenous. Like, you thought it was going to be, like, gritty, like, grim men in the woods. Yeah, I, I guess I just keep assuming, which is even, which is really funny that I thought that about Ravenous, of all things. I know! <laughs> My fears were dispelled in the first 30 seconds of that film. Oh, But, like, Ravenous. with this one, it was like, oh, like, I, I had that moment where I was like, oh, the runtime's really short. That's nice. Um... Okay, we fully had a conversation where you were like, oh my god, we have to watch so many long movies coming up. And I was like, none of these are under 90 minutes. Yeah, like, we just keep pushing that tight 90 supremacy life. It's what we deserve. It's true. Like, we, we have a long one coming up, though. We have a we have a two hour and 15 minute movie coming up, and that's which, a little teaser. Anyway, I thought this movie was gonna be really boring, and then it wasn't. <laughs> I had a really good time. That's why, like, honestly, like, I put off watching this movie for a while. Yeah, I was the one who suggested this one for Hot Witch November because I was, you know, what else, what better film to watch than this? And, like, I kept seeing, like, you know, people on Tumblr were, like, posting gifts of Anya Taylor-Joy being, like, I am that very witch. And I was like, okay, cool. But, like, is the rest of the movie worth watching or interesting? Because, like, I can't watch two hours of Anya Taylor-Joy saying I am that very witch. I could. Even though I would like to. <laughs> Even though that, that might be a good movie. Let me introduce you to a little film called Last Night in Soho. No, I'm oh, I, I, I still need to see Last Night in Soho, but I want to so bad. Mm. You will love Last Night in Soho. Movies, by the way, that were literally made for me. This Taylor, I cannot emphasize enough that Last Night in Soho was made for you. It's just like 60s. Women being evil. Anya Taylor Joy. With Anya a knife. Taylor Joy, <laughs> with a knife. With a knife. Nothing better. I wish she has a knife in this movie too. Anya Taylor Joy with a knife. Cinematic universe. <laughs> uh, can you think of any other movies where she has a knife? I I don't think I've seen her in anything else. I know neither have I. Um, I can she have a knife. 
That Does movie- she have a knife what? in the Queen's Gambit? I haven't Does seen she- the Queen's Gambit. I haven't either. Does she have a knife in Split? Audience, let us know. Siri, Siri, does does Anya Taylor Joy have a knife in in um the Queen's Gambit? <laughs> By the way, I think it's super interesting how non-sexual the nudity in this movie is. Oh, it reminds me very much of the Suspiria remake in that. Oh, vein. oh, then I'm excited for that because I love non-sexual nudity on film. I think it's really cool, and mm-hmm. I think that more movies should have non-horny naked people. Oh, you are going to love the Suspiria remake, Taylor. I think it rules when a movie is just like, here's a naked person and just like, they're not framed in like a sexy way or a like, you should be jerking off to this kind of way. Like even at the end when, um, Tom, when Black Phillip is like, re- remove <laughs> thy shift. He's like, remove your shift. <laughs> that was my Black Phillip impression. And it was really good. Yeah. You should do impressions. Anyway, he says, remove your shift. And she does. Um, Except he says it all whispery. Like an ASMR person. Like an ASMR video. But it's not like a horny moment. It's not. I mean, for me it is because Black Phillip is hot. But like... Well, yeah, of course, Taylor. That's just me bringing my own baggage to the film. (laughs) It's not (laughs) bringing in a sexy way. That's your lens you're bringing. (laughs) That's my lens that I'm using to interpret the text. <laughs> is, is the, like, sexy dilf Satan lens. I mean, you're not alone in this. I, by the <laughs> way, I want a Black Phillip plush so bad. Mm. I know that I know, I've seen some on Etsy. And listeners, if you're ever in the mood to, like, send me a Black Phillip plush... DM me see, on Twitter. See, now I just know what your Christmas present's going to be now. Oh, yay! Actually, listeners, don't send me one because Jemmy's probably going to get me one. <laughs> oh my god, these well, are so Uzi, good! It's a Rob Zombie poster. <laughs> <laughs> that's oh, just that's so that's cute. that's for you and me and anyone else on TikTok. Yep. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Non-horny nudity. Uh, love it. Um, think more movies should do it. And very excited to see the Suspiria remake have non-horny nudity in it. Like, also the scene with the witch grinding up the baby. Yeah. It's, it's, it's butt-ass naked. Not horny. Just a naked lady being naked. I think yeah. that men should be naked in movies more, though. And not just for horny reasons. Like, I just think that, like, men are, like, embarrassed to get their cock and balls out. And I think that that should not be something that men are embarrassed to do. When I heard that Oscar Isaac got his dick and balls out in that one HBO show that I haven't watched, I was so excited. Because it means that, like, I hope that more male actors take it from Oscar Isaac and get their genitals out on camera. Whip that thing out. I that twelve-inch uncut, uncut thing. <laughs> I think we should wrap this up. We're getting to we're, we're, the energy here. That twelve-inch uncut thing. Remember when we said that this was going to be like a pivot back to serious film analysis? Yeah. And now we're just talking about cock and balls. As fucking if. I don't think I don't think I don't think we're ever going to pivot back to like the serious film analysis that we did with the innocents. Like we're never going to get back there. No, it's just going to be like weird, insane things all the time. Anyway, more non-sexual nudity on film. Show me your genitals. <laughs> Show me your dick, Steve. <laughs> Show me your dick, Steve. Um, I want to make just one more comment before we wrap up. Sure. The score for this movie fucking slaps. Yes, it does. It's like evil. It's so good. It's the so good. The score for this movie is like evil music. It's evil music and it's fantastic. And it's on every single like horror writing instrumental playlist. For evil good music reason. to sacrifice babies too. Sometimes it's just what you need. Want to read some letterbox reviews? I would love to read some letterbox reviews, Taylor. All right. So our first letterbox review of the evening uh, in our segment that I like to do called Live, Laugh, Letterboxed comes from Hunter, who says, what thy fucketh? <laughs> yeah. One and a half stars. Yeah, that about sums it the fuck up, doesn't That's it? That's this movie in a nutshell, I, I, I think. Our next review comes from Lizzie, who says, do people who aren't Anya Taylor-Joy deserve rights? Let's discuss. Five stars. No. 
No, they don't. They don't deserve rights. They simply do not. I include myself in that. Yeah, I don't deserve rights because I'm not her. There's this sound that's going around on TikTok lately that's like, my pronouns are she, but not her because I'll never (laughs) be her. And it's like cut to some, I don't know, some hot celebrity or something. That Mm -hmm. but Anya Taylor-Joy and unironically. Correct. I'll never be her. None of us ever will, except for her. Exactly. Molly says, this was just like Among Us. Four and a half stars. Your silence is speaking volumes. I hope it is. I really hope it is. I wish you could see my face right now. (laughs) It was just like Among Us, though. I hate it! But you're right. When the witch is sus. (laughs) I'm so funny! I hate you so much. Kidnapping that baby, that was real sus behavior. I swear to God. (laughs) Grinding up that baby and, like, spreading its flesh onto your flesh to become young again. Pretty sussy. How how long were you holding on to these? Since I watched the movie. Which was, what, Saturday? Yeah. So, I've had a while to, like, have these Ruminate. ruminating in my brain, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Katie, Katie says, I think if this movie asked me to kill myself, I probably would. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which is so true. And then she ends her review with simply, I love you, Black Phillip. Yeah. I love Black Phillip, too. I also love Black Phillip. Men on Film says, Nothing really sets a movie's tone faster than a baby in a mortar and pestle. <laughs> Four and a half stars. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I cannot emphasize enough that this happens right at the beginning. Yeah, literally first ten minutes, there's a baby and a mortar and a pestle. The first death of the movie is the baby. The baby who is young enough to still be breastfeeding. Yep. Robert Eggers said fuck you and fuck them kids. Oh my god, that should have been my le- that should have been my letter about to me. Just Robert <laughs> Robert Eggers said fuck them kids. Robert Eggers said fuck them kids. <laughs> That's a good idea for like um <laughs> like some merch in the future. It's just oh like god. a t-shirt maybe with like a picture of like a mortar and pestle on it. <laughs> fuck them kids. And it says fuck them kids. In the witch font, please. Oh God, I'm I'm saving that one in my old in in the old please, noggin. Please for, save that one, please for the future. Fuck them kids. Fuck them kids. <laughs> um, Owen says, if I was the father of those two little shits, Mercy and Jonas, I'd probably let Black Philip impale me too. Four stars. I'd let Black Philip impale them. Although at that point they're dead, so I'd let Black Philip impale me. <laughs> Good night, everybody. (laughs) So much. Sometimes I come up with good ones. Oh my god. John says, sometimes I crave and desire the 1630s New England lifestyle so that I too can live deliciously. Four stars. Yeah. I have a pin that says live deliciously on it. Oh my god, I want one. Gabriel says, this is the fairy tale Satan reads to his children every night before they go to bed so that they're afraid of God. It's true. Five stars. It's true. (laughs) Ayad says, what's up with A24 and naked old people? (laughs) (laughs) Wait, did A24 also do the visit? Yes! Okay, then this was not my first A24 movie, because that, I, because the the visit was. The visit? The visit, yeah. I can't believe we've gone this entire episode without calling it the vivitch. I was trying to be professional. No. Jemmy. I also, I also call it the vivitch in my head. You so. can't be professional on this podcast. You're right. This isn't the <laughs> podcast for that. We've established that. If this was a professional podcast, you would not be talking about how you want Black Phillip to impale you. Which I do. Anyway. Yes, I know. I stand by it. I know, Taylor. I, I did not expect your opinion to have changed from five minutes ago. <laughs> Dallas says, I have shat myself. Four and a half stars. And the final review from J. Will. And now this review is actually a two star review, which normally I wouldn't use on a movie that I like because I feel like if you rate a movie that I like with a low rating, you don't deserve rights because uh-huh. my opinion's always correct. Of course. Um, And I'm just, I don't feel like spotlighting you, but 
this person said something very funny, so I will give them a pass to dislike this movie. You get one pass, and it's if you make a good letterbox joke. People, if he responds as soon as you conjure him to speak, offers you a pretty dress, wants to see the world with you, helps you with your writing, supports all women groups, he's not your man, he's Black Phillip. True. Two and a half stars. How could you come up with a banger joke like that and still and rate this not movie? like this movie? Fuck, God damn it. Okay. Fine, I guess he gets a pass. Yeah, like, you're allowed. You win this round, letterboxed user J. Will. Uh, what is your star rating for this film, Taylor? I mean, I think I gave it four and a half on Letterboxd, but, like, I can't off the top of my head think of anything that's, like, wrong with this movie. So I'm gonna give it five on the pod, because I love to spread positivity and peace and love. I'm gonna give it four and a half on the pod, just because it. I, I like this movie, but I don't like it as much as I like other movies. You, could, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just... It's 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 a good movie. I like it. I watch it. I, I would watch it again. I will watch it again. Uh, but it's not quite on the level of like The Conjuring 2. That's why I gave it four and a half stars. Like on Letterboxd, I save five stars for like my all-time faves. Exactly. That's what I that's what I do here. Like five stars is for my all-timers. <laughs> so that is The Witch, The Vivitch, a wonderful film. That you should watch. Yes. Next episode, we'll be watching 1977's Suspiria, directed by Dario Argento. Uh, one of my favorite like classic horror movies. And we I will have, have not actually watched Suspiria in a hot minute, so I am very, very excited to watch it again. Literally one of those the most beautiful movies ever made. Gorgeous. Like, visually one of the sexiest things ever put to film. Um, And also features one of my big, like, old movie crushes, who is Jessica Harper. Oh. Do you know she's in the remake? I've heard. I don't know, like, anything about her role in the remake because I haven't seen it and I don't know anything about it because I thought I would hate it. I love her. And she has very pretty eyes. All right, so join us then. Uh, Until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram, uh, both at FGFpod. And you can do whatever needs to be done to get us out there. Give us those five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Um, yeah. Also, shout out, by the way, to friend of the pod, James, who, like, just casually mentioned us to, like, I think someone who came to do work at his apartment. Yes. You should all be doing that, by the way. Yeah, all, we, we, we expect you to be doing this for us. Like, we need you to be proselytizing about our podcast to, like, you everyone to make, that you meet. You need to make tracks and hand them out. If your friends aren't sick of you talking about the Final Girl files, you're not promoting us enough. Just saying. <laughs> this is all a joke, listeners. Just, this, is, this is a joke. We love you even joke. if you've never said a word about our podcast to anyone. Just listening is doing a lot for us. So we mm. really, really appreciate all of our listeners. <laughs> <laughs> we are just we're just playing we're, we're just having about. a little having having a laugh we're being goofsters it's what we do on this podcast we're just in a silly goofy mood <laughs> this all podcast right is just us being in a silly goofy mood all the time it really fucking is god <laughs> and it's getting sillier and goofier by the day which is why you should go join us next time we'll see you then yeah bye-bye bye <laughs>